0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's a new day! Yes, it is! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Hogan Johns.
1: Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO,
2: it's Adam Ho. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Fluce?
1: And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are the
3: Adams hogan johns
2: what's up welcome in hogan johns with you from Hallis hall live from the decatur room yes which used to be the defensive backs room memories the the memories there used to be a ball back there that they would that they could punch on their way in and out of
3: the room now there is a sign indicating that you're in the the decatur room can you see it over my my left shoulder Watching on YouTube, I once interviewed Bryce—or not Bryce Callahan—at Donatel. Okay, about Bryce Callahan in this room looked okay. a lot different back then, but this was it. Uh, fun fact: bringing some of our—not really fact, it's a fact—it's
2: a—it's an opinion, and maybe it's not even fun. Um, going back to a few years ago, those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a while know our uh, opinions on Decatur. Um, <laughs> and, and our trip down there, we once did a podcast next to some porta potties down in Decatur. So I prefer the Decatur room.
3: Nothing against Decatur specifically. It was having to drive down to yes. Decatur for 15 minutes. With Ryan Pace,
2: yes, and through some tornadoes in the area, and your, oh and yeah, your, and my, your my car, car issues, trouble. yes,
3: yeah. yes, it was not
2: a not a fun <laughs> trip. Uh, this trip in the Decatur room has been a little bit better, and uh, it is our annual conversation with the Bears general manager, which we're very happy to continue since you know the Bears did change GMs in the offseason. Um, but yeah, we thank the Bears for letting this happen again, as we used to talk to Ryan Pace. Uh, every year during training camp. Um, the only time it wasn't early in training camp was the year that Roquan Smith held out of training camp, and then they end up trading for Khalil Mack, and that conversation happened later in August. Um, technically, this is September now as we record this and get ready for the season. Exactly. Yeah, September 1st there, bud. Yep. Regardless, <laughs> um, we're happy to have the GM on again. So... I think we should just dive into it. About a 20 minute conversation with Ryan Poles today, touched on a number of different topics. We'll let you hear it, uh, including some confirmation on uh, you know some important news that we had speculated on about what he was listening to in a certain press box. So here it is. We'll come back after the conversation with some thoughts on some things that were said. But here he is, Ryan Poles. Okay, so the first thing we have to ask you, Ryan, um, there's a shot of you. In Seattle, uh, in the press box, with some earbuds in, yeah. and we've been debating what you were listening to, and we just assume yeah. it was the Hogan Johns podcast. So yes. can you just confirmed that for us. Yes,
1: I was. I was. Okay. That. It was the podcast that I was listening to.
3: <laughs> yes. do. What do you think? I
2: do. <laughs>
3: it's good stuff. Well, how, how different, though? Like, is that for you? Like, you're sitting there in the press box, and you
1: look up at the TV, like, oh. Yeah. There I am again. Yeah, that yeah. was way too much. By the way, it was like oh, super it was a long. Yeah, it was super like a, awkward. Yes, and then I could feel it. people behind me starting to move and like get out of the out <laughs> of the shot. But yeah.
2: don't worry, when the regular season starts, it's only like a two second shot. Right. But when it's the third quarter of of a preseason game, and yeah. there's not much else to talk about. That's what they do. I feel yeah. like they did a
3: whole yeah. segment on what you were thinking. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they showed Aaron Clark once.
3: Yes, saying yeah. it was
2: you. Yeah, that was yeah. that was actually the best part. Um, well, let's jump into the team a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of eyes on uh, your quarterback mm-hmm. throughout the, the month and um, how he's at least I think the way we've talked about it a lot is seemingly improved each week within this system. Yeah. I, I, what has impressed you the most about just the leaps that Justin's taken?
1: Yeah, I think he's starting to look and feel comfortable. You know, as I mentioned before, Early on, when you – we all can imagine, especially at that position, you have you have a new coaching staff, you have a new scheme, right? So you're, you're trying to – the calls are coming in. And you have to regurgitate that. And then you have to think about exactly what's that doing. Oh, I got to look at the defense and figure out what they're doing. And it's a lot. So – and at the same time, he's trying to clean up his footwork and, and his delivery, and it, it was a lot going on, and he just kept fighting through it. And I think that's one thing, just talking with Luke and the staff, like they're just really – they were really happy with his just determination, work ethic, you know, resilience, just getting through bad days, uh, coming back and have a good days. So to go from that discomfort to be really comfortable in that last game was really cool to see. <laughs> Take us through the the structure
3: maybe you put around him, especially yep. like in that quarterback room. You have Andrew Janoco, Gian- you have Luke Katzi in the back, Matt Eberflus, yep. had coaches in there every single meeting. And then you have two veteran quarterbacks who have yep. seen this system, been in the system. Yep. Like, how did you... What did you make uh, of assembling this? And what are your impressions so far before the season here?
1: Yeah, well, I'll speak on just what I had to touch. And and that's just the the quarterback room in terms of the players. Um, Because, you know, Luke has been, he had a system and how they were going to coach and install everything. So I really don't have much to say on that part. But the, the guys in the room is important. And that's something I picked up from Coach Reed. Like he was very specific on the guys that he had in the room. And, and it's a it's a very tight room. They spend a lot of time in that room. That's the one. I mean, there's more work going on in that room than anywhere else. Um, so the cool thing with Trevor is just his background, right? He's, he's played a bunch of games, but also he's been with Peyton. He's been with Drew Brees. He's been with guys that have played at a really high level. And he's able to give insight on how to, how to approach the game, how to approach the week, and, and give those little nuances on, on how to get better and what to look for and grow in a new system and everything like that. So I've been really happy with – the guidance in, in that room in general.
2: What has, um, just watching, we have the benefit of seeing what was here before, I guess, and the way things were, were done and, and how th- some things have been different. One of the things that's really stood out to me, I guess, is, uh, I don't know the attention to detail in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the examples that we talked about a couple weeks ago was, um, in a quarterback drill you guys do where it's actually a handoff and then Fields rolls out or the quarterback, whoever it is, rolls out. Then you toss him an extra ball and he gets like a throw out of it too, like stealing reps like that, Yeah, Um, just little things like that. How much of that is either your coaching staff's background, stuff that you know, and how much of that was an emphasis when you guys came in here this offseason and started getting the ball rolling?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's all coaching. Um, That's all coaching. It's maximizing every rep to get better. Um, And that's a lot of Luke and actually just having flashbacks. Like I've seen clips of in green Bay, they would do something similar. So um, he's bringing his knowledge and his experience and pouring into those quarterbacks. Um, But in general, I think it it speaks volumes on coach Ibrafus as well. Um, I knew that just from my research is just being really, really detailed on top of it, maximizing practice time and, and he's done that. And it's really cool to see. I mean, its it's been sharp in terms of the operation and the teaching moments.
3: You had this evaluation of Justin before you got here mm-hmm. and then you get the job. I'm curious, how has it evolved, changed? Maybe how has your confidence grown now that you've seen him have the ups and downs in camps? You've seen him mm-hmm. play three preseason games or part of three preseason games. How yeah. has your, your confidence in him grown from the point you got the job until now?
1: Yeah, I think I spoke on this a long time ago, maybe intro, but like early on, you just look for flashes. So when I came in here and I was watching, I was preparing to come in here, I was watching tape and you could see the flashes. You saw more flashes in college, but for the setup that he had last year, you saw the flashes, but it it wasn't consistent. There's a lot going on Um, that was choppy, but now you're starting to see the flashes more consistently. Like that game was a perfect example of seeing not only from in the pocket, but getting outside, being patient, uh, threatening with his athletic ability, but then, you know, throwing it as he creates pressure and defensive players have to make decisions on what they're going to do. So I think the amount of flashes has has risen and he's starting to look comfortable and, and be more productive. So um, I'm excited with him kind of getting into the flow. And I think the scheme has been important too. He looks comfortable when he gets out and he's on the run and, um, you know, Hopefully, we see more of that when the lights come on.
2: How much stock should really be put into what we saw in the preseason? It, you know, you you pull the numbers from the three games, and it looks like a great one game if yeah. it were put put it all smashed together. Right. But as a as a talent evaluator, what specifically are you l- looking at that matters
1: most? I guess from those reps. Yeah, I think it's almost play by play for the preseason, where you know when you get in the regular season, you got to look at the whole performance. Um, you know, then the end result if you win or lose. Um, so really it's just, it's evaluating those plays on their own. Um, so I don't really go too crazy about the overall stats at the end of the game or even, um, you know, the wins and losses you always want to win. It's just being competitive. It feels way better leaving even a preseason game a winner than a loser. Um, but, you know, I, I think we just look at each play in his development. I think it's been really cool to see how far he's come.
3: When you see him take hits in the preseason yeah. – I'm curious. It drives me nuts. Drives, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, how, like, your anticipation for the guys to go, like, back him up, to help him. Like, how are you, like, timing these guys? Like, how do you, like, who's going to be there first? Like, how much are you watching those yeah. linemen run to his defense when he takes those sliding late hits?
1: Yeah, I almost, like, pounded the table, you know, just angry because I don't know why he continues to get these. But, no, you look at the reaction, and I think it's more of, like, how they feel about, him you know and that's their guy and they're gonna have his back so I actually thought that was a really cool thing that when that happened you could see that wave of players coming behind like that's our guy you don't you don't touch him like that you know and it sets the tone and and Justin feels that right I mean to have guys have your back to you know correct something that was was done wrong to him is is a really cool thing so I, I think they get it. They have the right mentality going into the season.
2: Well, for being honest, that didn't always happen last year. But one of the guys that you did see clearly on film last year on one of those plays, Ron, run to him and pick him up was Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Um, what has – help help us fill in some of the gaps here of yeah. how his camp has gone. Because in all the years we've covered this team, I don't know that I've seen a more remarkable turnaround from mm-hmm. like the first couple weeks of somebody's camp yeah. to how it ended.
1: What happened? Yeah, so it's, it actually kind of blew my mind a little bit. So he's out for a few days, and all of a sudden there's, like, trade rumors floating around, and I hadn't called anybody. But what happens in the league is people call you because there's rumors floating around. Like, yeah. hey, what are you doing? And I'm, like, evaluating Tevin. Like, we're seeing how he does. And so his move from tackle to guard, it was, look, he's doing a good job and we're happy about it. We got to the preseason games to see what it would look like and he's doing good. And he's physically, he is gifted. Uh, But what I love the most is his finish, his strain, his aggressive uh, style that he's playing with right now. And we hope he keeps it up.
3: So you have this conversation with Tevin. Do you tell him, Hey, forget about those rumors. Like you have a home here. We like what you're doing at guard. And then like, how does he re, yeah. how, how re, respond to that? Because he's brought that up a couple of times about finding at home, yeah. working at guard. Like, how did he respond to, I no, guess, your was, messages to him? He
1: definitely appreciated the communication. And, you know, I was asked before, like, what can you improve? Like, I, I told him, like, I can improve on, you know, communicating better. And he said, I can communicate better myself, too. Um, but we got on the same page, and it was, it was it's good. He's doing a good job. I'm proud of him. I told him that. So As a former offensive
3: lineman, can you just take us through maybe the nuances of how Difficult that transition is especially in a condensed period of time to yep. go from tackle to guard and you know yep. what you're seeing up front
1: yeah there's different challenges you know you play more on the island at tackle um, you have a different type of athlete coming at you um, it's weird because you actually have a little bit more time is what it feels like and then when you kick further inside you have less time and you have to react and, and feel things but then you have bigger bodies trying to run through you also wiggle you know on your edges um, so it's, it's just Different style, and I think the biggest thing is just reacting faster because things happen faster inside. Um, but you can tell his strength, his power, his length—that's where it really benefits him in that position.
2: So I know when you drafted Braxton Jones, um, you you felt like he's somebody who could develop into a starter for mm-hmm. you at left left yep. tackle. That has happened. I mean, it honestly happened by the time OTAs were over. Right. Like <laughs> the yeah. way the way you guys threw him out there so quickly. What you mentioned today in the press conference that that's blown you away, surprised you a little bit. What what was it that that really stood out right away? Like, hey, this might happen a lot faster than we thought.
1: Yeah, what stood out to me just just obviously I've played the position, so I just love watching it, and it's like a passion. You know, I think for anyone that's played a line, you just you look at things different. But his his so there's feet and hands, right? You can have quick feet, and then you can have length and a, a good punch. And then the other piece of that, especially being young, is is patience and and when to throw your hands, but also can your feet react? And then the last part is can you strain to, um, you know, correct and 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 finish when things don't go right? Can you recover? Um, So what stood out to me first was his patience with his hands, and I was like, that's pretty good, right? So then there's kind of boxes you got to check. It's it's OTAs, right? It's just helmets. But then the pads come on. What happens when someone tries to go right down your middle? You know, do you do you have the anchor? Can you drop anchor? Do you have the, the ankle flexibility? Can you, can you drop and, and strain to finish? And he's starting to show that when when pads come on. And then this guys choose one or the other way, speed or power. And then they start to flex both of them. And then how do you react from that? So his ability is just to react to it show that he's got enough anchor, his patience with hands for those guys that have speed rush. Um, he just continues to check those boxes. Now, I said, we, we got some big dogs coming in here early, and we're going to see how he responds to it. And I think the most important piece is the short memory. Can you get beat and then come back, or do you curl up? So that's going to be the next challenge for him, but I'm, I'm stoked on his development so far.
2: Do you have any stories of like how you found him? In the scouting process, I mean, this is a guy who played at a yeah. a school. I'm not even sure I knew they had a program. Yeah. I think they went one in ten last year, yep. if I have that right. Yeah. How did what, how'd you pull a a week one starting left tackle out of that? Yeah, I
1: think we look. for – So the process goes all the way back to like right now. All of our scouts are on the road and they're looking for talent. And then you look for a couple of things: physical traits, uh, football character, and you know, personal character and there's prototypes, there's guys with certain length, foot quickness, and then they go to the combine and you really get to see them test out what the numbers look like. Um, and then you pair that with the tape. And he had a lot of the physical traits. He had length, he had feet, he was athletic, he was a lean guy, and he was strong. So that's kind of some of the boxes you look to, to take chances on a guy and see if you can develop him. And sometimes it develops fast and sometimes it's a little bit slower. Um, and for Braxton,
3: he's been developing pretty fast. So when you're up in the press box listening to Hogan Johns and you're watching the well, your rookies perform so well in the in the, yeah. in the preseason, yeah. like Brisker against the Chiefs, you know, mm-hmm. Gordon finally comes in against Seattle, had some up and down moments, but he got better by his third game. Like, yeah. how excited are you by what you're seeing from Brisker, Gordon, yeah. Braxton Jones? I mean, Jack Sanborn and undrafted guys out there yeah. making plays, the, these young guys. That's your your first draft class. Mm-hmm. I mean, the
1: excitement's got to be there for you, right? Oh, for sure. We we watch tape as a group sometimes, and we smile because those guys are they're flashing, and the flashes just keep coming. And the more guys that we can have in in keep here that are homegrown, like the better off we'll be. And I just we're excited. They're, and it, it just confirms that our process is good, that our evaluators are good. And if we continue to do this over a long period of time, we're going to be involved with something special. How much does an undrafted
3: guy, Mm -hmm. Sambo, or even like a seventh-round pick in Elijah Hicks, like really have to to stand out? Not only to make your 53-man roster right away, but like then make it through the waiver process to to still be on the active roster. Like how much do they have to stand out to you and your staff?
1: Yeah, they got to stand out. I think the part that we look for too, it's like how do you – how do you buy time to develop, right? So if you're not the starter, you're not first, you're not second or third, like how can you stick? Well, it's special teams. So those guys, Hicks, Sanborn, they they stood out on special teams. And that buys them time to continue to develop on the active roster. So that combination is always strong. And then there's versatility too. Can you play multiple positions? How much can you do? And then you put all that together and, and you can buy yourself time to stick around and continue to get better. Did – do
2: you know when you hired Matt Eberflus that he it was so willing to play young guys was like that's something you guys talked about or did that just kind of end up being a good fit with what the situation is this year
1: Yeah no I knew he was like that that's that's part of the interview process and there's a common connection like Chris Ballard the team were close so I had some insight to that and I know his approach you know I think they had like a claim period that was very similar to us in like 2017 um which stresses, you know, your coaches out because they have to get those guys up and running quickly. And a lot of times they're young. So I kind of knew that about him, but then he's just exceeded expectations with his openness to do that, his teaching techniques, what he, he really presses his coaches to continue to, to teach and develop. And we have a developmental mindset through and through this entire organization. What's the waiver
3: claim process? Like you mentioned, you guys went into your draft room. Like yep. that's how serious I got for, for you guys this year. Like yeah. Just are there scouts standing up, you know, speaking with conviction or the old cliche of pounding on the table, like especially this year yeah. where you're kind of reloading your roster? What was yeah. it like in that that draft room for this?
1: Yeah, so it starts way before kind of the last few days kicked off. You know, we assign teams to different scouts, and there's multiple scouts to a team, and you watch tape, and you're almost the GM of that team, and you try to project the 53, and then you say, you know what, they're they're deep here. Like, are they going to keep six linebackers or are they going to go five? Maybe they have seven. And you start to see where guys can shake free. Uh, when they make plays, we we flash them. And that creates a board. They get graded so that the values, the same as the draft room or the draft board, the values are assigned. And we stack them. And then when it actually happens, we sit there as a group. And we watch tape all night. I think we went to about midnight, 1 o'clock. And we prepare for you know what guys can help us you know get better. And that's our approach. And I've done it a few times over the years. You know, and obviously, hopefully, he, with success, you move further down and you get less players. Yeah. But um, this is something I've done before to, to kick things off and kind of launch. And, and that's what we did. And I'm excited about the guys we brought in.
2: Alex Leatherwood yeah. kind of got the headlines of that whole thing. But I want to ask yeah. you about Armand Watts. Yeah. Um, because he's a guy that I think the day before you're claiming him was projected to be a starter in, in Minnesota within the division. But obviously I think that's more of a scheme fit type situation. Mm -hmm. And he ends up here in a defense that he had some success in last year. Tell us what you liked about him and what, what he, what you think he can bring this defense. Yeah. So
1: that was a surprise to us. So in, like I said, with our guys kind of playing GM for each team, he was the guy that was already on and he was going to make it. So that's the name that pops up and everyone Mm kind of like, looks like seriously, he, so let's watch him. So we watched everything last year in this current scheme that he was up in Minnesota. And we saw a guy that can add pass rush from inside. And that's important. It's valuable uh, to, a, to a defense. So um, we got excited about that. And then kind of part of the process is, hey, these are the guys. We give into the coaches because we want to be lined up you know, as well. And they got excited about him. So when we got him, we were pumped and I can't wait to see him, you know, get going.
2: How much if it's a surprise, then are you pivoting with um cause now you have to make a roster move on the back yeah. end to clear yeah. a spot with somebody who you probably were expecting to keep then? I uh, how yeah. like uh, explain that side of it. It was is that an unexpected move then when you have to move on from and yeah. it ended up being Tonga?
1: Yeah, and that's probably the um everyone talks about the high volume cut down day. Is hard to me. the The second day is the hardest because there's a glimmer of hope. You kind of made it through that, and then that happens. Um, so that's a very difficult conversation. Um, but I think this was a chance to just increase our pass rush, and I think it's going to benefit us in the long term.
3: I'm not going to ask you to go in detail about how things played out with Roquan Smith, mm-hmm. but just like generally speaking, yep. the value of that weak side linebacker in this defense, Yep. like. Where do you see it? How do you see him or how do you see that position ranked against maybe some of the more premier positions?
1: Yeah, no, I just for this defense, it's very important. Um, But so are, you know, corners, DTs, pass rushers. um, But they're all important. And and he plays one of them. And, you know, I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a really good year, especially in this scheme. All right,
2: I'm not sure if I've ever seen you smile in a press conference as as big as you did when you were asked about Matt Eberflus
3: today, or Larry Borum. Yeah, Larry Borum was another was another Online one. Online line talk, yes. yes.
2: <laughs> but obviously, there's something there that's genuine that that I mean, you really feel good about the head coach going into this season. Yeah. Um, I, I guess explain to us that excitement, which I'm sure is based on everything you've seen up to this point, really. Yeah.
1: It just goes. It confirms, like on a daily basis, um, what I saw the very beginning. And I got to ask that question a lot. And obviously, we got to go in and we got to win games and all that. But it was like, why did why did you pick Matt everflu And my response was his, his leadership. And I think you got to have that poise, uh, that command, um, but also the respect for players. And I talk about the, you know. Being able to communicate with the guys and, and push, but also you know not be a jerk, but also not be soft and fluffy where everything flies. That middle ground's really hard to find, and and that's why I thought he was the right guy, and it gets confirmed, you know, on a daily basis on how he approaches practice, to our meetings, to our scheduling, um, how he treats people with respect, um, just how he moves around the building, and uh, I'm excited.
3: Everything seems very just purposeful, not at Whim, like even there was one of the practices in the the Walter Payton Center, this stood out to me, where there was a three-station drill Mm. for fumble recoveries and what happens after that fumble is caused and what everybody does after that in terms of blocking and stuff like that. Like drills like that. Like I've never seen anything like that in 10-plus years covering this team. Like what does that do for you, especially, you know, in light of everything you just said about about Matt Eberflues?
1: Yeah, I think you try to win those like little – parts of the game that a lot of people don't think about you know just simply jumping on a fumble like if you I'm sure I don't have the numbers but a turnover is a big deal in the game yeah so literally jumping on a football can change the outcome of a game so why not practice that at a high level and that's what he does with kind of all all of those things how do you strip the ball you know how do you hold on to the ball the right way just the opposite way um so his approach is really good, and and all the coaches are
3: excellent. Everybody was in that drill, but like the quarterbacks and like right. some offensive linemen, yeah. like that yes. was that was something.
0: Yep.
2: yep. I'll end it with this um, because it's kind of along those lines. But look, at the end of the day, you need to have a talented football team to win Super Bowls in the in the NFL. But but as you embark on this first year through what you're building here, what what can just a fundamentally well coached football team that creates takeaways It does those little things like how much success can that team have in the, in this league, the way you have it right now with this roster?
1: Yeah. I I believe that if we play the right way, those little details, um, taking care of the football, tackling, playing hard, um, catching the football, like those little things I do think go a long way and we have enough talent to be successful this year and continue to get better. Um, our goal is always to win to the, the division, and so we're going to strive to do that. But I, I definitely know that doing things the right way is going to help more than it's going to hurt. So that's what we're going to do, and we'll see how everything plays out. So,
3: are you looking forward to hearing yourself on this podcast? Hit the road to scout college games.
0: Yep,
1: yep. I will. Uh, I'll be listening. You be the Colorado any- TCU. They get maybe a.
2: Maybe it won't be a five-minute shot of you in the press box. Hopefully, you're <laughs> not even being seen there. Yep. Um, that's good. Yep. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. We appreciate it. Can't wait to see the, the team get out there on September 11th against the 49ers. going to be fun. Awesome.
0: All appreciate right. it, guys. Thanks, Ran. All right. Thanks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
3: LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
2: GM combo in the books. What do well, you think?
3: Let's start with Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, the Bears weren't calling around. The trade rumors did not start with him. Uh, him, him being Ryan Poles. With, so with them being the Chicago Bears, uh, they like they feel like they have something here with Tevin Jenkins at right guard. I thought he made that pretty clear mm-hmm. in the press conference earlier, and then here with us.
2: Yeah, and I, and I also appreciated, too, him admitting that the communication probably could have been better because that's something we've talked about on this podcast over the last month from how it was handled at the beginning to even talking to Tevin in his locker a couple days ago and him still seeming, like, here's a conversation you, you think is going to be, hey, dude, you made it. You're a starter. You, congrats. And it's like, why does he still feel like he's on the bubble um, and so I think that that got cleared up today, both in the press conference and then in this conversation too, that we had with them, not only the trade rumors, but the fact that now I think there's some peace of mind and
3: Tevin can really run with this. I, I think like your first thought is like what took so long, but I think it's a reminder of how busy things get at this time of year mm-hmm. for players from meeting to meeting, to meeting, um, to, to, to. To what he said about being in the draft room, going through the waiver yeah. process. Yeah. So if that conversation had to wait a little bit, I think you understand that a bit. And that
2: part was um, that stood out to me not only in the press conference earlier, but him just talking about Armand Watts and like they didn't expect him to be available, and now it's like, oh, we got to we got to jump back. Watch there. more
3: tape the midnight. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and they did that. I mean, the the process here has been meticulous. And, again, they're still – it's still not a great thing when you have to – you set your 53 and you got to go out and be like, ah, we still need these six guys. I mean, it still is a reminder of how far away they probably are, but it's still – hearing the process and the way they're going about it I think is encouraging for the future as they really try to – he's not lying when he says like yeah. they are constantly looking to add guys. Anybody, if you can help this team and you're available, and we can we can get you. They're gonna try.
3: Well, I thought you heard the GM himself acknowledge that that process, the the reality of that process. They were seventh in the waiver wire claim process, so of course you're gonna have a better chance than if you were thirty first or thirty second. But you want to be thirty first or thirty second. Yeah, he said that. Um But this is where they're at. I I think he's made it pretty clear. He's been pretty clear since day one that this isn't just a quick turnaround. Like They're not doing this with a quick turnaround in mind. They want to set a foundation here, and it's going to take a few years, two or three years, before they really have pieces in place that they trust and have faith in where this thing takes off.
2: Uh, Another thing that really stands out to me uh, from our conversation today that I think matters a lot, actually, is the confidence that is being exuded in the head coach, the fit that there appears to be between the GM and the head coach is a hell of a lot clearer and pot more positive than it was the last time the bears tried to hit the reset button and start over because as in, you know, that's no guarantee that things can change. Things do change when you're you're talking about the
3: John Fox, Ryan Pace partnership, which felt awkward from the beginning. It felt force.
2: It, it, yes, they said nice things about each other, but you could tell whether it's the smile on his face in the press conference today, or just what he told us that there is a confidence that, or, or another way to put it is he clearly doesn't have any doubt that he hired the right guy. And I think if you gave Ryan Pace some true serum, you know, six months into that whole deal, it would, there's at least probably some questioning going yeah, on. Yeah. Of, uh, is this really the right guy to do what we're trying to do here?
3: Can we look, they haven't played a game, but maybe at least us in this podcast, I think we've been pretty consistent with what this. What are you thing. talking about? They're 3-0. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Even the man himself said to take it easy Yeah. but like the, like, let's not mock the the hits process. And, and I, I get that, like certain things like that produce, you know, so some eye rolling. And I get it. But you coach yourself the, the the intangibles that come with the coach, the messaging, the consistent messaging, the the increased hustle you can get with that consistent messaging. Mm-hmm. Messaging it's meaningful at all levels of football. That type of coaching matters. It endears yourself to certain players. It. It frustrates others, and they don't become part of your team, but that's where the Bears are at right right now. And I don't know if I'm making too much of that, but I think this hits philosophy, especially for like a year one rebuild, is exactly what you want to find out who fits your culture as opposed to what we've covered in the past.
2: Right, and there's probably going to be growing pains because of it. You're already seeing guys go on IR. Um, I have a feeling that how hard that they've practiced since May – may limit their depth as the season goes on. And there's probably going to be some growing pains with that. But I think the, in their minds, it's worth that, that pain right now to weed out the guys who really belong here, who are embracing it, who are buying in. And by the way, that seems to be most of the people that are here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think that that buy-in has been there. So does it, result in more injuries this year. I think that's a possibility, but maybe they can back off next year or the year after that once that foundation has been set well, because
3: that's really what's most important right now. Well, once the leaders kind of once your leaders are established and they lead the way. Mm-hmm. If we're going to compare this to the Lovey Smith era because there are a lot of parallels between the two. He had his leaders by year 2 or 3. He had his Brian Locker's Lance Briggs, Olin Kruitz is in place. We're still trying to figure out who that is right now for the, the current Bears, but I think you hear it from some of them, even like Jalen Johnson. It took him a while to get on board with this. Now he's fully on board with it. He's comfortable with it. He likes where this team is headed. He likes the defense. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think
2: that they probably also feel like there's more. Um, you're right. Those guys have to emerge who, who those leaders end up being. And there's still questions like, is Roquan Smith here a year from now? Uh, that needs to be answered at some point. Not now. You know, it's all about ball, as he said today. Um, David Montgomery is another one. You know, that, that needs to be figured out in the future. But I also think that they feel pretty confident that these 15 or so rookies that are on the team right now, if five of those guys emerge yeah. as long-term leaders, that's... I mean that's going to go a long way in terms of continuing this culture and really having it established the identity of yeah. your team. Ooh, there's that word identity. I that the most remark that that is one way, good way to sum this up. Johns is like this team may only win four or five games. I think they're going to probably win more. But even if they that ends up being the case. We know what their identity yeah, is yeah. now. We didn't know that the last three years. That's all we talked about. We'd be It'd be week 10 of the season. Matt Nagy, what's your identity?
3: We're still trying to figure that out. Mark Tresman what's your identity? Well, I don't know. He didn't say that exactly, but well, you know what I mean? it's like, said kicking on second down. <laughs> ouch. But they've been clear from the start. They've only strengthened what they've said through their actions on the field. Like They know what they want to be, and they have a plan of how to get there. You're seeing that come to fruition in camp. I know it's the preseason. I know we shouldn't be too excited about going three and zero in the preseason, but you see the identity, like it's evolving. You you see yeah. it coming to fruition here at Hallis Hall. Well, and I don't. I, I think people. I don't. I don't think people are excited just about being
2: three and zero in the pre- I don't. I don't know. Are people actually excited? Well, it's about It's better
3: than being zero three.
2: I think they're more excited about just what they've seen, what we've talked about on this podcast constantly. That has been so consistent since training camp started, and even going back more into the OTAs is just they're doing things that make sense. They're paying attention to the little things, the details that we've that Ryan just talked to us about a little bit with some of the drills and practices. And it, let's see how it all plays out because. Yeah. Hey, there could still be 10 penalties in week one against the 49ers. Yeah, that yeah. would surprise me. I think they're going to be, you know, fundamentally Well, Nick sound, Bosa is
3: going to be quite the challenge for Braxton Jones. Yeah, Let, let's that, just face reality here. Yeah. 49ers are expected to have one of the best defenses in the league. That's, that's the reality of it. I also have a feeling Luke Etsy isn't going to leave Braxton Jones on an island
2: too much against Nick Bosa.
3: So... He's not going to have the same game plan the Bears used to have against the Cleveland Browns and I, against some other big dogs, as I, Ryan Poles would say. I, I, I,
2: Maybe I'm wrong. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but based on everything we've seen,
3: I, I think that that's... I, I think my final impression of everything, now that like, to wrap up the preseason, to wrap up training camp, I am more positive about the direction of this team, even some of the talent on this team, as I was when camp opened. Okay, It's young players... Standing out right away. It's like it's the, the eye test for Brisker. It's the eye test for Gordon. It's the eye test for Valus Jones Jr., even though he hasn't played that much. It's Braxton Jones evolving into a potential left tackle. It's them finding a potential answer at right guard with a former second round pick and Tevin Jenkins. Those are reasons for positivity that weren't there. When camp opened, and that in itself, I think, is my most general takeaway of what's unfolded here at Hallis Hall Assault throughout training camp in the preseason.
2: You feel good about it, you do. There's, there's, there seems to be steps towards
3: answers at and key then spot. Fields throwing three touchdowns against the Browns. That's something. Yeah. Again, it's better than the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: it's better. It's much better than the opposite, which we've seen at times. Oh um, yeah. So. And I think that they feel, as you heard, one of the more important things I think Ryan said about Fields is just how they could see the flashes on film last year, but they got to get more consistency. And I think as each week went along in camp, you saw more consistency. Yeah. Wasn't always perfect. Wasn't perfect against the Browns. There were some misreads in that game. Um, But you see just it's getting closer to consistent than it certainly was last year. It's in, it's interesting. This is a I, this is a what many people I think painted back in the winter as being like a lost year, like do the bears even matter this year? I think they're going to be an interesting football team. Yes. I think that they're going to be in games. I think we're going to spend a lot of Mondays even after losses actually pointing out positives instead of it just being doom and gloom like it usually is on Bears Monday.
3: I think we could talk, we could talk ourselves into seven or eight wins. Yeah, and I think that's that's fine. They're not one of the worst teams in the NFL as others would contend. No, I don't no. think that's true.
2: Well, and that's I felt that way in the summer, but everything I've seen in camp in the preseason has just made me feel better about that thought. Is another way to look at it. No one's saying they're going to the playoffs. No one's saying they're, but I would be. Shocked if they're picking in the top three of the NFL draft in April,
3: there'd be a lot of things that have gone wrong. If that's the case, most important of which is the quarterback
2: and you don't want that to happen. So people who root for that, I do net, I will never understand that logic. Uh, Not with this team, not with this quarterback that they have here. All right. Any final thoughts? No, no, never, never. Yeah. Still (laughs) over 600 or so on that. It's some. maybe,
3: you don't want any sneaking any high school. Oh football yes, golf? yes I do. Yes, I'm getting heckled in the building here. Seventy-five hundred. You were just heckled. I was just heckled. You have Lake Forest. Yes, at and Carmel, which the Bears. If you, I don't know if you know this, are located in Lake Forest. So yeah. there's some ties. M- meanwhile, the alma mater of myself and the McCaskey family. It's a big game. Notre Dame versus St. Pat's, both ranked for the first time in seemingly forever. Wait, I thought you went to St. Pat's. No, Oh. <laughs> easy there. <laughs> They're sold out? 7,500 tickets, I hear? That's going to be a fun one. Oh, yeah, it's going
2: to be fun one. That's going to be Go fun. fun It's good to see that rivalry. It's back. Going strong.
3: I can't believe it. Like, well, they haven't played in a few years.
2: I know. They haven't played in a few so years. that's part
3: of it. They're both pretty good. They're both ranked by the Chicago Sun-Times. Our friend Michael O'Brien, he's covering the game. Mm-hmm. He's going on the Notre Dame broadcast. It, it'll be on YouTube. Oh big deal in the northwest side they of do chicago it, by
2: the way and i gave these guys a shout out last year those kids in notre dame do an amazing job at the broadcast yes, they do they have a they have a club and i've told them if they ever want some help or anything i'm happy but i don't think they need it they're, they're getting better they got graphics they, now they, it looks good Sponsors. it looks good I, it's very impressive um but st patrick pats has the opportunity to to uh hand both of our alma maters losses within the first two seasons oh, they got they Weeks got you to, yeah they got ignatius last week um I love it. I love it. Another Friday night of high school football. Not All right. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed the the Ryan Poles conversation. We thank him and the Bears for making it happen again. We got to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You could read me at allchgo.com. Him on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You guys got another deal going on right now. You always have deals. A lot of deals. A lot of deals. Good Good time to sign up. That's a big stuff coming Athletic. up next week. We also have another special episode coming early next week. You have some big stuff coming on The Athletic next week. And then by Thursday, we're jumping in with our first preview episode Game of the season. Time. Can't wait. Told you. It comes fast. All right. So uh, enjoy Labor Day weekend. Be safe. And yes, we will have uh, another special episode for you, I think, coming out Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. Talk to you next week. See ya. Pool reporter Adam... Hodge,
3: hug, 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 Hodge,
2: Hodge, Hey, I
3: His interview with referee Tony Correnti.